Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. What is up, football fans? Welcome back. This is Season 4, Episode 14 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. This is the last episode of the season. I am joined by Dustin Levy and the wonderful Amanda Inscore, our producer. Dustin, how are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, We got some lopsided playoff results this week, hoping for uh, some more competitive contests coming this Friday. How was the weekend? Yeah, not bad. Uh, you know, what about you? It was pretty good. Um, just typical Sunday, stress watching my fantasy football teams. Both lost, uh, both seven and three this season. Um, but you know, we're, you're not here to listen to fantasy football. <laughs> you're here to listen to high school football. We had a handful of games, a handful of playoff games. You know, around the area. We can get right into this. Bishop Vero just coming out with a statement win and for, I will like to first apologize to all the Vero fans out there um, I expected a um, you know much closer contest than the last uh, time these two teams faced but it seems like Vero just has Mooney's number when it matters most in the playoffs this is you know win number three in a row for them yeah it's their first shutout of the season they limited that Mooney team to 122 yards of offense uh, and Carter Smith, what a what a game he had, uh, throwing for uh, 221 yards, four touchdowns. Um, also, their leading rusher in the game. Um, we were wondering who who would benefit from that Mooney team trying to take away Chris Graves, and uh, it was Landon Bennett. <laughs> uh, he he caught a pair of touchdown passes in in that game. Yeah, and you know, getting back to Carter Smith, you know, we talk about him as. You know, a, a pretty solid football player. He's got a good chance to eclipse 2,000 passing yards as a freshman this upcoming week. Um, he only has one interception. But this kid's going to be a first-round draft pick in baseball in a couple years now. It's you know incredible to see this type of athlete at such a young age excel to this degree against probably one of the toughest schedules you know in all of, all of Southwest Florida with you know facing Dunbar and facing IMG's B team which is really good this year the first three games you know when Chris Graves is out you know Carter Smith kind of had to carry the load a little bit he saved his best uh, football for the playoffs and you know they're they're going on to a regional semifinal yeah especially after last week that CCC loss it was kind of surprising this game was also surprising but in a much better way for the Vikings um with you know the, it not even being competitive yeah in a game that wasn't surprising staying on the shutouts um Naples 37 Charlotte nothing I was there Golden Eagles got up to a 23 nothing lead but uh you know Charlotte decided to make it a little interesting early on they go three and out initially you know on their first three plays fourth down they're gonna punt oh no they're not uh, Keon Jones, the punter, who was also the quarterback, took the snap, uh, found a wide-open Connor trim for about a 38-yard gain. You know, the Naples defense wasn't ready for it, but instead of going for a 36-yard field goal, which kind of surprised me, um, they opted to go for it on fourth and six, just outside of the Naples red zone. Um, they did not convert, and, you know, the Naples rushing attack did its thing. It's kind of one of the more least expected results um, you know, of the slate. But one result that was stunning, you were there, was the eight-seed plantation taking down number one Dunbar by three scores. And 
of all the games in all the brackets, there was only one eight seed to beat a one, and this was it. Yeah. Um, you know, that plantation team is much, much better than its seed. So I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that Dunbar dropped the ball here. That plantation team was was scoring so many points a season, and I'm just not sure if reflecting on that game, if Dunbar was built for a kind of high-scoring shootout, especially uh, with the circumstances. Davion Palmer was unavailable for this game, Landon Winterbottom, who who got some action this season, but probably never uh, like more than 50% of the snaps. You know, he, he was pressed into action. Um, there were also a lot of missed opportunities for the Tigers early. Um, you know, the, the very first drive, they got pressure on uh, quarterback uh, Luca Furch for um, the the Colonels and uh, Avian Rice picked him off. Uh, he had blockers out in front uh, to to get to the end zone, and he stumbled. Um, and on, on that same offensive drive, they tried to punch it in on the goal line. Uh, they they got pretty close. I, I wasn't you know there on the goal line to see if they broke the plane. I was behind the end zone, but uh, it, it was very close. They could not punch it in. Um, later, they had another drive on the goal line. There was a, a Sean Russ uh, caught a ball in the back of the end zone. The refs ruled it out of bounds. It was close. Um, so so they had opportunities. There's one point within a minute where uh, they scored two touchdowns, cut it to one score. But it was surprising to see that their defense just couldn't get the stops that they'd been getting all season. Um, but it's it's a testament to that plantation team. Yeah, and that really clears the field for either Northwestern or Naples in Class 6A Region 4. Those two teams will meet down at Staver Field this Friday. But staying on these games, um, Lehigh shutting out Tampa Gaither. This defense, guys, has been just flat-out phenomenal over the past six games. Uh, Only three first-half points against Dunbar. Um, I think they have four shutouts, five shutouts. I can't. You get a couple games mixed up where they only give up three points or six points. But this Lehigh defense is humming. And what do you have to say about Tyree Cunningham? It's just it, he just keeps doing this over and over and over again. Yeah, his numbers are obscene. I was looking uh, at the number of tackles for loss that he's put up, that that, that whole team is put like it's it's obscene. Uh, he blocked a punt in this game. The team got three interceptions including a pick six by Trevion Curse uh just a terrific performance and you know once Richard got going you know th- this looked good for them yeah and Richard um having one heck of a junior season himself um he's got 1700 rushing yards on the year if they win you know win Friday night decent chance you can get to 2000 and that's with two games being taken off the slate this year for the lightning due to weather we can go to this one this is I mean, we kind of expected a result like this, but not to this stature. Uh, Miami Northwestern blowing out Fort Myers, literally blowing them out, winning by 52 points, the worst playoff loss ever in Fort Myers history, 71-19. to I know you had talked to Sam Friday night, and just can you describe what that second quarter was? 36 second quarter points for the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, it was actually a couple minutes in the second quarter. It was 21-13. Um, Fort Myers uh, started out with the lead with uh, Greg Deling getting a pick six, but there was a blocked punt, a turnover, and just a lot of big plays by that Northwestern team, and it, it got out of hand real, real fast. But, you know, we knew this Fort Myers team 
had some flaws. They couldn't run the ball consistently, couldn't stop the run consistently. So, and and they kind of, you know, stumbled into the playoffs. They lost the North game. They didn't play against Sebring. So not exactly a surprise for them to lose, obviously. Um, disappointing that it was so lopsided. Yeah, and, um, you know, for Northwestern, Teron Dickens, the quarterback was pretty much lights out. Um, aside from the one interception, 17 of 21. 81% completion percentage, 417 passing yards of seven touchdowns, and then you add, you know, 152 yards on the ground and averaging nine and a half yards a carry. Just goes to show that, you know, Miami teams are different. South Florida teams in general are just much different. It's hard to, you know, measure, you know, the talent gap between, you know, this side and that side when you see two pretty stout teams in terms of records and whatnot. Um, but, you know, staying with the South Florida beat, Coconut Creek 36 South 12. Um, you know, Coconut Creek puts up 36 unanswered here uh, to win the game. I didn't know that, actually. That's uh, kind of disappointing for, for South uh, that they let it slip away like that. But, you know, it's another example. We saw Plantation come and beat Dunbar. Uh, Coconut Creek beat Plantation during the season. They're going to have a rematch now. So, yeah, it, it's just showing that it's tough uh, in Southwest Florida for, for these teams to go deep. And uh, kind of, uh, we can go rapid fire on these final four. Stranahan twenty-two, Estero seven. This was one of the more intriguing results, actually. Stranahan, we I expected them to blow them out uh, because of that South Florida factor with a with a couple power fives on their team, especially a four-star wide receiver who's ranked inside the top seventy-five of his class. Um, but sure enough, you know the Wildcats hold, I believe, the Dragons, Mighty Dragons, Mighty Dragons, scoreless in the second half. Yeah, I saw it was. 22 to nothing at the half and I was like ooh this could get ugly um and Estero outscored them in the second half seven nothing uh Kendrick Aguinor ran for 150 yards and a touchdown which you know against that level of town that's pretty darn impressive but ultimately they weren't able to to score enough to come away with the win here yep and speaking of another team that was unable to score um tough going for Cypress Lake Killian 60 Cypress Lake nothing you know one of the more expected 1-8 results to you know come across the wire you know, that 5A uh, region's pretty top-loaded, top-heavy, and then once you get to the bottom four seeds, it kind of fall, drops off a little bit, and Killian staying undefeated this season. Um, what did Joey Mendez have to say about this? He said that, that you know, it was a good first year for his team, uh, that, you know, the seniors are, are, leading, are leaving uh, the younger guys something to build on. So, um, obviously, we didn't expect a win over Killian here, but uh, a good season for, for the Panthers. Agreed. Um, you know, just... I don't think if you told us at the beginning of the year that Cypress Lake would make the playoffs, um, I would have said, you know, no way. But, um, you know, props to them and good to see the Cypress Lake program kind of staying, having that playoff pedigree that Richie Road kind of instilled in them uh, a couple of years ago. But these final two matchups, CSN 31, ECS 8, adjustments matter for sure. And, um, you know, I trusted CSN to make the necessary adjustments in this one. And sure enough, they do this is one of the more expected matchups on you know in my opinion it, my question was can ECS keep this up in November um, playing their best football and you know it seems like they finally came down to earth a little bit yeah and shout out to Decker Crosby who broke his yes. collarbone in the preseason came back uh last week um mm-hmm. you know Chase Hatterbury is, is now injured who, who it's done a great job for them all season uh but Decker Crosby threw three touchdowns. I, I like something Paul Salvadio said uh, post game was that he described it as an extended halftime. You know, since the the teams played uh, <laughs> so, so close together, 
but definitely uh, community school got the better of that matchup. And um, the last matchup, uh, actually staying on this real quick, Decker Crosby is a, an Athlete of the Week nominee. So if you're hearing this before Thursday at 10 a.m., um, you can actually vote for Decker if you'd like, or you can vote for the eight other athletes in the poll. Well-deserved uh, for him, especially coming off that collarbone injury. It's hard to gauge you know, how a quarterback's going to you know, rebound off of that. It's you know, When you have an injury of that nature, um, you always question how's the first game going to look. So good to see Crosby back in the fold for the Seahawks, who are definitely going to need him in the playoffs from here on out. But the last game, uh, Sefner Christian 35, St. John Newman 20. Just seemed like a tough road matchup for Damon Jones, and Sefner put up 35 on these guys. Well, they got out to a 14-0 lead, uh, which was impressive. But they had a chance to go up, uh, I believe, uh, maybe 21-7, to but there was a fumble in the red zone. Dawson Jones scored twice early, um, and it was 21-20 at this point, but I think they just kind of ran out of gas toward the end there. And that'll do it for the opening segment. Come on back. We're going to recap some seasons for those who uh, who lost, and then we're going to break down these playoff matchups. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on! Welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida podcast. Before we get to the exciting playoff matchups uh, that we have in store on Friday, you know, we, we had a lot of teams that kind of fell short this week, but we want to, you know, pay tribute to those teams, starting with Dunbar, an undefeated regular season, a tremendous accomplishment, a historic accomplishment, but uh, going one and done in the playoffs. Alex, how do you think back on the season for the Tigers? First off, a very historic season. Their first regular undefeated season in program history. But sure enough, you know, I, I feel like they aren't really maybe remembering that now. I think they, I think this Dunbar team knew they can go deep in the playoffs. And maybe they got caught looking a game too far ahead. Um, you know, that plantation team was a very good team. Um, but one thing I heard on the sidelines a couple times this year, and it's, it's a crazy thought for Dunbar, is that, Everybody's saying, yeah, we'll be better next year. I get, we can't wait until next year. Um, heard that multiple times on the sideline. Um, you know, Lana Winterbottom's going to assume the full-time quarterbacking duties, and that makes me wonder if Sammy Brown played him in the entire game for him to get that playoff feel. So, you know, next year it'll be, you know, Landon Winterbottom full-time, and uh, maybe the Tigers can make a deeper run in the playoffs, which, you know, I think they can. I think they got the pieces that J- their JV team went undefeated. Um, you know, Dunbar reloads every year, and this is probably a, a small step back for a major comeback. And I should mention Winterbottom, he, he struggled early in the game, um, definitely wasn't connecting on deep passes, but he got better as the game went on, eventually ended up injuring his hand, and a freshman uh, quarterback, Austin Price, came in the game. So it, it was tough going for the Tigers, but ultimately, like, fantastic season for them. Um, Fort Myers, going against tradition for this team where they weren't able to control the clock, weren't able to run the ball. Um, and obviously that loss uh, being so lopsided in the playoffs against Northwestern has to sting a little. Yeah, it definitely does. And um, this was one of the teams that, I mean, they had their question marks at the beginning of the year. And it was just a matter 
of, you know, if they can execute. This is, um, you know, Sammy Sirianni highlighted it from, you know, the preseason game in day one. We need to get our run game going. I remember those interviews, seeing those quotes. He talked about trying to get the run established, and that was just, you know, something he couldn't do this year. You know, in past years, he has guys like Zamari Harvin, Yesias Young, Darian Felix. There were a ton of guys that, you know, they were explosive playmakers, and it made you wonder what it's going to take for, you know, Fort Myers to kind of get back in that predicament. Um, I'm really intrigued by Madrid Tucker, whose older brother Milan played for Fort Myers a few years back. His father, Michael Tucker, used to play in uh, the MLB. So, um, you know, I saw some highlights of him. Saw him put a dude on skates against Ida Baker. Definitely, I think he's going to be the running back uh, for a couple of years now. Moving on to South Fort Myers, this team was 500 last year and finished the season 8-3. and three. Uh, Ultimately, they, they wanted to go a little further. We thought they might have uh, an upset possibility against Coconut Creek. Uh, not to be, but still a, a really awesome. And, you know, they, they put up some uh, tremendous records. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, their only two regular season losses were to the two teams that went undefeated in the regular season. Um, Willis May did a excellent, excellent job with, you know, these freshmen. I remember uh, at the Lee County Media Day, he said at the time 17 kids were in the 1,000-pound club. I imagine that number's got to be close to 30, maybe 35 now. It, it just goes to show you that buying into what a coach has to offer can go a long way. And, you know, when he when he got here in 2019, they started out really hot, um, a similar season, I think. Um, my mind's kind of, uh, you know, getting away from me. But, you know, last year they go 5-5. Five and five. He tells us at that press conference that, that left a really bad taste in our mouths. And they, they weren't happy. I remember him saying we weren't happy at all. And, you know, this season, you know, Duncan Smith, one of the better decision makers in terms of taking care of the football. Uh, Sincere Trice and Jerry Cooper just really helped him on the outside. And, you know, sure enough, you can't talk about South without mentioning Nathan Castor, who's going to be remembered uh, in South Fort Myers history, breaking a a couple of J. Ron Curse's records. Um, That just goes to show you that, you know, South is finally back. Uh, Texas football isn't, but South is back. Yeah, you, you mentioned that buy-in, and I think a team that was really, really evident for us, the, the district, uh, the Class 5A District 13 champions in Estero. I wrote a story last week about that team. Um, you know, it was great talking to Coach Nelson and some of the players there about why they were able to accomplish, you know, the first district championship in 20 years and to do it in such a exciting fashion where they were pulling off all these crazy comebacks but a really, really strong season for the Wildcats. It, it definitely was, and um, if you missed that story, you can go to our websites. Um, the, the one thing that will always stick with me with Darren Nelson is The Rock. Yeah. Uh, the Rock, it, it's not going to move. It's not going anywhere. It's going to stay there. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. That Rock will always uh, be on their practice field for sure. Yeah, it, it was interesting talking to the players. I had to ask Coach Nelson about The Rock and one of the kids – brought it up to unprompted, so there's definitely a uh, belief among that team. Um, moving on, uh, you know, let, let's talk playoffs. Yeah, I mean, because uh, we have so many teams that are still alive and looking to, to crash the party here, um, starting with, you know, a team uh, in 7A hosting a Lightning. They are going to be hosting Warden, an 8-2 team. Alex, uh, what, what should we make of that matchup? 
Wharton's a very stout defensive team. Uh, their only two losses were to Tampa Bay Tech by nine. Uh, they're the number one seed in the region. And then they had a 20-13 to 13 loss to Armwood, who was looking like a really lethal five seed until they were forced to forfeit three games due to an ineligible player, and that pushed them out of the playoff picture. A huge win across the board for the eight teams that are in because, you know, Armwood was looking like that they could be a they could make a lot of noise as a five seed. Um, but, you know, Lehigh's got to get the run game going against these guys. You know, Wharton doesn't have any four or five-star prospects um, like Gaither did last week. You know, it's just one of those gritty teams that plays strong defensively. Um, you know, in the RPI, Lehigh's ranked ahead of these guys. But it's definitely going to be one of the more challenging matchups, I think. Yeah, I noticed, you know, looking at some of their numbers, there there weren't a lot of offensive stats that jumped out no. with the defense. I mean, uh, 15 interceptions, 8 fumble recoveries. I mean, th- this could be a real defensive battle, and I'm looking forward to it. Yep, we're moving to Collier County now, but Naples, 10-0, and hosting Miami Northwestern, 8-3. and um, This is addition number three between these two teams in the past five years. Um, Northwestern has owned Naples. 42 or 40 to 7 the second time, 42 to 7 the first time. Um, hasn't been, really been much of a game. Um, but, you know, from your perspective, you know, you talked to Sammy Sirianni about this Northwestern team. Can Naples stop this? I mean, Northwestern, to put it in perspective really quick, um, they lost to Miami Central 49 to 6 in a rematch uh, for the GMAC championship. And then all of a sudden they come out and put up 71 against these guys. I mean, the practices the past few weeks must have been pretty intense for the Bulls. I mean, it just shows what a juggernaut uh, that team is. I mean, considering, I mean, Sirianni was telling me that, like, they didn't even run off the score. They, they only scored, you know, a 14-7 to 7 second half in that game. They just, once that team gets going, offensive, defensively, special teams, I mean, just watch out. Yeah, and... um Naples, you know, their RPI in terms of the opponent win percentage is below 500. And, you know, that's the one thing I highlighted about this. Um, the big question I had was their biggest win was against a 8-3 a Fort Myers team or South Fort Myers team. That was their only win with uh, against an opponent over 500. So, you know, a couple questions that, you know, we're definitely going to see answered come Friday. But um, another challenging matchup for a Southwest Florida team, Bishop Vero traveling to Berkeley Prep who has had a phenomenal year under Coach Dominic Chow. They go to New Orleans to play uh, Isidore Newman in an ESPN televised game. That's Arch Manning's school. And they win by 25, uh, 49-14. Um, Arch Manning, the number one junior quarterback recruit in the class of 2023. Um, obviously relatives of Peyton and Eli. You know, Vero's definitely going to be in for a tough bout here. But um, what do you think has to happen for them to come away with this one? Yeah, something that stood out to me, the Vikings only have one win on the road this season. Uh, They went one and two. So, you know, they're going to have to prepare to to be on the road and and to to get that win. Um, Obviously, Carter Smith is going to have to keep it going. The defense is really going to be an an important piece of this. Yeah, and um, First Baptist, one of the more weird situations. Um, They had, what, a three-week layoff or a two-week layoff? Um, you know, they've had they've had time to rest up, but, you know, it makes you wonder if that gets a team out of its rhythm. Um, they will be hosting Sefner Christian, who defeated St. John Newman on Friday. 
could we see a little bit of uh, sluggishness? Could, could the Lions be sluggish in the first quarter in this one? Maybe Sefner Christian kind of seizes on that opportunity and puts the Lions in a, a situation they haven't really been in this year. Yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to see out of the Lions, but that offense has, has been able to put up points all year. I, I trust the the Ty Keller to Olsen-Henry connection. Uh, I think, you know, they'll be able to pull this off, but, you know, Sefner Christian uh, did its job against Newman last week. Yep, and lastly, uh, CSN traveling to Northside Christian. I don't usually root against teams, but I would have loved to see ECS and Northside because that would have presented a battle between two former Buccaneer teammates in Ernest Graham, who coaches ECS, and Mike Allstott, who was the fullback for the Bucs back in the late 2000s. That would have been one of the cooler matchups you know, to see two former teammates who are now head coaches at their respective schools go at it. But nonetheless, it will be CSN going up to St. Petersburg to take on Northside Christian. This is one of the toss-ups, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's going to be interesting to see. Decker Crosby, obviously, uh, will will be coming back for his third straight game after the broken collarbone. It will be interesting to see how he performs and how Paul Silvidio gets these guys ready. Yeah, and... um you know the Mustangs. You know one of the stronger teams that kind of cashed in. Uh, they were one of the beneficiaries of uh, CSN losing that Bayshore game. So you know we'll see how this CSN team performs on the road. And once we come back, we will be picking winners for each of these games and maybe talking some uh, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year candidates. You're not going to want to miss it. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week. Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Go. The last segment of Season 4 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast is here. It is picks time with maybe a little sprinkle of some accolade talk. We both pushed last week at 7 and 3. We both missed Dunbar and South while I decided to pick Cardinal Mooney over Vero. That did not happen. And then Dustin went with Newman over Sefner Christian. I picked up that game, so you know we we stayed at seven and three. Dustin is at eighty six and twenty seven. I'm at eighty and thirty three. I'll just give you the title now. Congratulations! Thank you. Well, you Thank deserve you. a well. You guys you, can't see well, it on the pod, but I, I'm I'm really <laughs> celebrating here. His first year. We gotta have a trophy for this. Yeah. Uh, maybe a ro- just a trophy that bounces back and forth. Uh, that'd be that'd be pretty unique, but we can get right into these. You know, we could start out with that seven A clash between Wharton and Lehigh. Dustin, you could start this one off, but I think we both know that this game might only ha- see a total of like seventeen points scored. Yeah, just from like I, I was looking at the the defensive stats for both these teams, they are ridiculous. Wharton doesn't have as many uh, TFLs as Lehigh, but they have plenty of turnovers. Um, it's it's going to be really. Uh, could be a really low-scoring one, but, you know, Lehigh has Richard Young, and so I'm going to take the Lightning. You're going to take the Lightning, yeah. Um, uh, this is just, of the games that are on this slate, this is one of the hardest to predict because you see you see a Wharton team that, you know, really competed with Tampa Bay Tech, who is 
I believe, the number one team in the state per the RPI. Um, I, we know they're not the number one team in the state. There are a couple teams better than them, in my opinion. But this is a Wharton team that started out, uh, you know, in that first quarter. They were up 12 nothing before, you know, Tech stormed back and put up seven points each in quarters two, three, and four. The quarterback play is definitely a question for Wharton. You know, I think that's where the you know the keys are going to be. This is a team that doesn't put up a lot of yards. They definitely live and thrive off the turnover. So I'm going to take. I got to take Wharton. It's such a tough matchup to predict. Um, you don't know how um, Dorian Mallory is going to respond in this type of situation. He had played some pretty solid football as of late. Um, you know, the Lehigh defense played lights out. But I'm not predicting a blowout or anything here. I mean, as I said, I think it's a, maybe 17 points, but maybe like 10 to 6. It, it, I can just smell one of those really low-scoring matchups here. And then, you know, we're going to stay in Lee County, kind of. Bishop Vero going to Berkeley Prep. Richie Road hitting, uh, going back up to St. Petersburg, Tampa area. Um, you know, when he went up two weeks ago, they got blown out. How does do you see that happening again? I don't know if I see a blowout. I just don't know if I see the Vikings pulling off the win. Uh, I have Berkeley Prep in this one. They are perfect on the season, uh, and the Vikings haven't been as dominant on the road as they have been at home. Yeah, and uh, I'm with you. You know, uh, someone was telling me I'm not going to. Name names. He was telling me to pick Vero this week to maybe uh, compensate. But, you know, if I keep picking against Vero, they seem to keep winning. So uh, kind of a double-edged sword, perhaps. I'm going to take Berkeley Prep. I do think they are the better football team in this one, clearly. I think that, you know, they simply have more out there than uh, Mooney did in terms of uh, defense. Um, so, you know, if you cover Chris Graves, you know, Landon Bennett's not going to find an opening. You know, I, th- I think that Berkeley defense is really athletic. And, you know, I think they're going to get things done. But uh, going back down to Southwest Florida now, um, Naples hosting the juggernaut. It's Miami Northwestern. Um, a lot of history and a lot of, you know, success for the Bulls over the past few years. Um, Dustin, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think? Yeah, uh, everything I've heard since I've come down here is that these Miami teams are no joke, especially when they come uh, down here. Yeah, I'm taking Miami Northwestern in this one. Yeah, I'm in a similar position here. You know, the one constant is that even after last year, you know, Naples plays Central down to the wire, 31-21 game. It was very tight throughout the fourth quarter. The one constant is just trying to prepare. You can't prepare for the speed. You you just can't. And Teron Dickens, the Northwestern quarterback, led them to a state title as a freshman. And that in and of itself is something that – is very hard to do. Last year, the COVID year screwed everything up. Northwestern goes three and two. They play three regular season games, um, so not a lot to take away from, you know that. Uh, Northwestern puts up the most points on the IMG National team this year, and IMG National ranked number one. Um, you know, all signs point to me picking Northwestern in this one. Um, I do think that it's going to be closer than what a lot of people think, uh, based off last week's score. I think Naples can play them tough. Uh, you know, Northwestern is somewhat susceptible. You know, they're suspect in the run. A um, couple question marks there, but um, this is when Max Edwards' team performs the best. It's always playoff time, and I think you kind of saw that um, in last week's game. Going down to the 2A brackets, First Baptist hosting Sefner Christian. Do the line starts, are they playing from behind in this one, or do you think they get off to the hot start and, and pull away? 
I like the Lions. You know, I, I think about how they might be a pick six away from being undefeated uh, in that yep. game against Bishop Verro. And, uh, and, a, and a toe tap. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the Lions have looked good all, all season. Um, they put up a lot of points all season, and I trust them to, to get this one done. Personally, First Baptist is my regional final pick for this region. Um, I think the Lions do get to a state semifinal, in part because they play in a relatively easy region. Um, I think they're going to take advantage of this. They're going to exploit it, um, and maybe we get a rematch with uh, FBA CSN last uh, in the in you know the regional final. How how fitting would that be? Uh, with uh, I think there were 900 yards of offense, or that there maybe a thousand total yards of offense in the first matchup. It was a super high scoring first quarter. That would be uh, you know, one matchup we're really looking forward to seeing. I am also going to take the Lions. Um, I don't think Sefner Christian has enough to beat this FBA team. Um, so I'm with you on that. And then the last game, CSN going up to Northside Christian. CSN really had a nice rebound um, last week against ECS after kind of being a little bit sluggish uh, the f- final few weeks of the season with that loss to Bayshore after the FBA loss. Can CSM pull this one out? Unfortunately, I do not think they can. Um, that Northside team is on a four-game winning streak. They are undefeated at home. Uh, those are tough uh, stats to turn around. So um, I'll be following that closely because I was impressed with what uh, community school was able to do uh, to uh, survive a close game against ECS and then pound them this week. That, that's a really good sign, but I have the Mustangs here. Yeah, I mean, they got quarterback who's thrown over 2,000 yards. They got... Uh, two running backs that are kind of, uh, you know, one-two like Barry White and Dean McCutcheon for Dunbar. Um, you got a couple of those playmakers out on the perimeter. You got three guys over 400 yards receiving. Um, this is where I think it's going to get tough for CSN. Um, I think numbers across the board and trying to defend all these guys is going to be a task, just like it's going to be with Naples against Northwestern. They got five guys. Uh, the Bulls do for uh, – like go over 400 yards receiving or somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, really similar matchup on paper here. I'm also going to take Northside Christian, and uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, FBA against, you know, the Mustangs in the regional the regional championship for a uh, 2A state final berth. And we do have a couple minutes now for some accolades. Um, we can talk about some offensive player of the year candidates, some all-area candidates, defensive player of the year, coaching candidates, Dustin, we could uh, start it with you. Where's your mind uh, from the football you've seen? Who's just had a really good year that's you know worthy of consideration? I'll stick to Lee County because that's what I, I know a little bit better. Um, and make sure you stay tuned for our all area teams. Obviously, you know the running backs really stand out to me uh, for offense. You know, obviously Richard Young. <laughs> Being Richard Young <laughs> is someone that I think about. Kendrick Agnor uh, in the season he's had for Astero. The numbers that Nathan Castor put up for Southport Myers. These guys had really, really strong seasons and were really key in their team's success. Yeah, um, we might need a Richard Young beat writer position here <laughs> at the, na- the news press. Uh, just uh, once-in-a-generation talent. The last five-star recruit was Noel Devine 14 years ago. Um, this is just... A excellent step for him uh you know he came up short of a thousand yards last year this year he's at 1700 um and that's with losing two games against fort myers and pahokee due to the inclement weather richards obviously dion made him 
rerun that 40 uh, during the summer of his eighth grade year for a reason. He clocked a 4-6. Um, I can only imagine what that time is now. But, you know, obviously Richard's done an excellent job. Um, you know, Caleb Staple, I mean, you mentioned Aganor, Nathan Castor coming on really late and making, putting together two really solid performances, breaking records in the process. He's he's another one that's played solid. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, Carter Smith, uh, you know, the quarter – probably the best quarterback in the area when it comes to not throwing picks. Uh, great decision-making from his perspective at such a young age, you know, not not trying to force balls, not trying to throw a ball into triple coverage. I mean, he's only got one interception, and, um, you know, that's pretty pretty eye-opening for, you know, someone who's that young. Defensively, you got a lot of candidates, uh, both counties. Real quick, give a shout-out to Jaden Booker, who's just had an excellent year despite the Bears being down. I would expect uh, you know a more improved Bears team next year, um, but defensively, before we you know head on out of here, where are you leaning here? Well, you know you, you can't talk defense without talking about all those guys on the Dunbar sideline: uh, Sean Ross, Dimitri Morgan, Avian Rice. He had a hit in that plantation game that you know had the sideline going crazy. Yeah, they have a lot of guys. Tyree Cunningham for Lehigh, he's having an exceptional season. There are, there are a lot of guys who, who um, really stand out at that linebacker position. Um, you know, Jeff Renville, Zach Malpica. There's, there was a lot of good defense. Uh, Greg Delane, hello. Uh, yes. You know, <laughs> being, being you know, a ball hawk out there. Um, but, yeah, a, a lot of good contenders in Lee County. Yeah, Greg Delane had a – Solid year. I think he had four picks. It would have been five if that Lehigh game would have been played. He picked off Dorian Mallory as the Lightning were driving. Um, I happen to be there. Um, defensively in Collier County, you know, you got Dearest Thomas at Naples. You got like three or four guys in that secondary at Naples who have four picks. You got Devin Moore who doesn't get tested often. They're going to get a big test this week when they face Northwestern. But, um, you know, they all had really good years. Kensley Faustin, one of the, probably one of the better all-around players, you know, in Collier County, um, similar to Malik Dadon last year. But, um, you know, you got your guys. You got Tariq Morame at CSN. Uh, really, really good talent across the board in, in Collier County, which I think is, you know, pretty encouraging. All right, so that about wraps it up. As we mentioned, this was the final episode of the Southwest Florida Football Podcast for this season. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And to those of you who have reached out to say kind words, it really means a lot. I want to thank our producers, Amanda Inscore and Andrea Melendez, uh, who do terrific work and and have this go off without a hitch every week. Uh, Our former colleague, Adam Fisher, we miss you. You, Alex, you've done a great job. Um, As some of you know, this was my first season covering Florida high school football, and I had so much fun. Uh, I'm really enjoying my time here. Uh, Please continue to read our coverage of the playoffs at newspress.com and naplesnews.com. And look forward to uh, all the all-area stuff coming out, uh, the winter sports coverage. Uh, we might be doing some more Twitter spaces. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin B. Levy. Alex, where can they find you? At NP underscore Alex Martin. Yes, we are sticking with the spaces once again this Friday. Got a couple playoff matchups to break down. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.